1: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast,
0: brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your Nine Fingered host, Dan Johnson. Alright, happy Friday everybody and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Go check out Exodus Trail Cameras. They're very badass and you need to go check them out because they work. Anyway, I'm going to do a really short intro today because chapter three, it's the end of this trilogy, so to speak, this week of all the uh, podcasts have been dedicated to my Colorado elk hunt, and today is chapter three of that. It is the final chapter to the elk hunt, so we kind of wind it all down. We talk about what we've learned. We talk about gear, uh, and it's Ryan and I in a car heading down Interstate 80, heading back to Iowa. So uh, that's what today's podcast is about. Now, quick commercial. While I was in Colorado, I beat the shit out of my equipment, literally. I beat it, I beat it up cuz it was a hard terrain tough hunt, and I used my trekking pole in one hand and I had my bow in the other and my bow went everywhere I went and I bumped it against stuff and I dropped it and I drug it across branches and I used it as another trekking pole on some really steep inclines and I would take it out after we would get back to camp and I would shoot it and it stayed on point point. and I love equipment like that and that equipment is my prime logic this year so go check out Prime Archery Check out their website. check out. I don't know if you've purchased a um, purchased a bow this year or not. If you're looking for one, you need to check out the prime logic. It's built tough and it's built for bow hunters. So go check it out. That's all I'm gonna say really about that. I mean, I literally beat the shit out of it. So go check out the prime logic. All right. Enough of the crap. Let's finish this trilogy. Here's chapter three. Of a recap of our 2018 elk hunt in Colorado. Three, two, one. <laughs> it is five ten. Have we crossed over into the into? Yeah, we're Central. We're Central time now. Okay, yep. so it's five ten in the morning, and we are somewhere in Nebraska. Uh, we're on our way back from our elk hunt. We figured what a better time to do a podcast than right now. We've been up for... I mean, you really don't sleep when you're uh, riding shotgun, right? You no, just not kinda really. Your eyes are closed, and then every time there's a bump, you're like, Oh, what? <laughs> uh-huh. oh, are we going to die in a wreck?
1: Right. Wake up, arms numb, hands yeah. numb. Right. Something's numb.
0: Yeah. Yep. So... We're uh, driving through Nebraska, and I figured, hey, while we're both extremely exhausted from this elk hunt, why don't we uh, do a podcast on the road? So that background noise that you hear is Interstate 80 underneath of our tires, and uh, we just we just finished one of the most grueling physical tasks that we've that we've done. Right. So this is chapter three of this whole story. Uh, chapter one was year expectations uh, training uh, we, we recorded that one on the way out here we recorded chapter two at the cabin after uh, day one and day two and then we had day three four five and which would have been yesterday slash today whatever however you're looking at it uh, yeah today's the eighth today's the eighth did we hunt on the eighth? No, we hunted on the seventh. No, we hunt. yeah, on the seventh. Okay, yep. so the morning of the seventh, then we then we took off. So, we talked a little bit about expectations, right? Uh, and you know, we talked a lot about thi- the physical demand. So you have this little watch on your wrist, <laughs> <laughs> and you and make it sound
1: like it's a, a woman's watch, like it's uh, well, it's, it's petite.
0: No, well, I mean, it, it, it's it's. It's little uh, compared to, like, I don't know, our backpacks, all right? You have this device you wear. It's basically a watch, and it measures, like, calories and elevation, and it tells time, and, you know, it can do, (laughs) like, long division or whatever. It's just just like. It's
1: not a Casio, uh, you know, the little (laughs) calculator.
0: (laughs) So, oh, hey, we, that's the uh, radar detector because we're. We're speeding. We're going really fast. We're we're going pretty fast. Interstate eighty, if you don't know, is a long stretch of highway that goes basically from one end of the country all the way to the other end of the country. Goes through all of Nebraska, all of Iowa, and uh, the cops just don't really patrol it from like (laughs) three in the morning. Anyway, so we uh, on this device. Let's talk a little bit about what this device told us about this elk hunt. On average, how many calories did we burn in a day uh, uh, throughout this trip?
1: In a 24-hour period, active and inactive calories together was about 5,000.
0: That was about the average. So sleeping and, and hunting. Right, all the entire day, right? Yep. So five thousand total calories. Now, you had a measurement once. Uh, One of the measurements was, man, from from camp to our first hunting spot was seventeen hundred calories. Right. Yeah. So that tells me that the five hundred and twenty calorie breakfast that I ate was burnt before we even got to our hunting calorie. Oh yeah, our hunting. Yeah, our hunting. Uh, spot, so. It, it I felt that no matter how much I ate, I it's like I couldn't force any more food or water in my in my body, and I I felt like I couldn't eat anymore. But our body needed it, so I, I felt I was force feeding myself at some point.
1: Oh yeah, mornings were the worst for me. Right. Like just trying to get all that food in, you know something that's really dense thick yeah as far as your your macro nutrients it just oh because the first thing you do i mean it's not like we would do a warm-up and then start our ascent oh no our warm-up it was balls
0: out yeah our warm-up and our basically our wake-up call was this what like a hundred like only a hundred yards and mm-hmm. you know people look may say oh a hundred yards in iowa that might be a long ways but what we were doing This 100-yard incline was just our wake-up call, basically. (laughs) It spiked our heart rate, and our heart rate was getting, I mean, I I don't know about you, but, man, my heart rate was skyrocketing. I mean, and it was just like boom, 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 boom. Mine was
1: 150 as as soon as we got to the top of that very first little incline. Yeah.
0: And then it it pretty much maintains that for the rest of the climb. I mean, yep we burnt 107 you know obviously the the amount of energy that we used right in in that what that's like a mile and a half 2 miles as a crow would fly right, right. to get from the cabin to that first hunting spot so 1700 calories in 2 miles that is ridiculous
1: yep yeah and that's not I mean, so if you calculated in our body weights, because you know it's calculated to my body weight, right? You're probably well, you are. You're burning more calories, um, but we also don't factor in the weight of our packs. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got at least a minimum of a gallon of water on there, yep. And then your bow, your rain gear, your other clothes, your layers, mm-hmm. um, and just all the other shit you put in your pack plus the weight of your pack yep so you know you're probably actually burning a little bit more than that but this it's just a nice round number
0: right so would you feel comfortable saying that we we probably burn six thousand calories a day over Uh, over the course of a day
1: i don't know uh probably not quite that much you're closer to that than than i would be but um just i don't know it's a lot yeah yeah yeah
0: okay so, as you know, we we talked about how demanding it was. Do you feel that? Talk about your physical conditioning after the first two days. Do you feel your body started getting better uh, and more acclimated? Did do you feel like parts of your body were getting more tired? Uh, talk to me. Talk to me about how you how you felt about your uh, your overall physical conditioning.
1: Um, well, for me, the biggest part was the was just the lungs. Yeah i mean the you could just could not get your breath right although the thing that i noticed the the biggest difference in is the amount of recovery time that it took once you made one of those those right. you know like we would basically work these benches right and you would make this 200 you know or 100 uh, foot ascent and it would be really steep and then you'd get in in and on to a bench and uh I noticed that that recovery time was a lot quicker every yep. time. Yep. Uh, the, uh, the one thing I also noticed is my legs just, like, they weren't sore, but, man, they they were just, I don't know, it's just like they weren't there. Right. You know? Um, yep. I don't know. That's but what how I— How about you?
0: Yeah, I had the, the same exact uh, uh, feeling, right? So, day day one compared to day six, day one— I'm you know I'm I climb up I'm huffing I'm puffing my I felt my legs were stronger on day one obviously (laughs) right yeah in day day two um where they're they're what they weren't feeling like jelly Uh, there wasn't any muscle burn. uh but I would but I was huffing and puffing for longer when we got to the top now yesterday we we did the same incline right and as all the previous mornings for the most part uh you know uh, the, the one is coming out of the crick up until you know where we made the uh, some of those final calls before we decided to head back to the cabin and call the hunt over right you know it's a big steep incline coming out of a crick and my legs were it it's it's almost like if you've ever slept on a leg, you know you get that tingly feeling yep and right after that tingly feeling goes away, you're just like, Man, is my leg gonna is is my leg gonna work? <laughs> and that and that's what uh, from a, my my legs were just straight up exhausted. No now, feedback, really. Yeah, exactly. It's like I hope when I t- my brain tells my leg to put my foot in front of the next <laughs> one, it does that. Yeah. Right. So so we did that, uh, but when I got to the top, my like it took me two three breaths and I was recovered. Right. The last day compared to the uh, like day one day two part of day three where you're just like (gasps) for 15 (laughs) what felt like 15 minutes you know what i mean right so you know from from that standpoint um like do you feel that now that now that this is over do you feel that your training was sufficient
1: um I think it was, yeah. you know, I, I kind of, I told you a couple times that just in doing a lot of those lunges and box overs and burpees and all that crap, you know, for those real high intensity moments. And then, you know, you kind of, you back down or like your, your workouts over and let's just say 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, I felt like as, that was as close to some of those, ascents that, that I could replicate at our altitude right you know nothing that you could do at our altitude would replicate what's got to go on in on the uh, right. at the elevation obviously right
0: one thing that i think i would change on on my workout would be so i did hikes right but i i did these long like long basically endurance hikes four miles took me like an hour with 80 pounds on i think next time I'm going to find a big, big hill and just go up and down, up and down it multiple times. <laughs> right. Because my calves were burning. Your calves, huh? My calves. Huh? Uh, it's something that, you know, if you don't have a big, steep incline to walk up for, not, I'm not talking like, I mean, there, there were days like when we would go, um, let's see, not uh, yesterday, but we went to that little hidden meadow. And then we climbed up to go t- check his trail cameras, right? Right. You're not, you're not walking uphill for a hundred yards. You're walking uphill for two straight miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. To get to that, yeah. and then then we come up to a pitch, and it is it's like 40 degrees incline, yeah. To, to get up to that that bench. Yeah, you're leaning into the yeah. into the hill. You have to use your hands to climb. And I figured, I, you know, my calves, I, I wasn't training my calves hardly at all. You know, I would do my deadlifts and stuff, but that was more for my quads and my ass. But, you know, I, I feel like I would do more maybe calf raises or, you know, when I do my weighted pack uh, exercises, I would uh, find steeper hills to climb up. Uh-huh. So, but other than that, I think I acclimated better this go-around compared to my last uh, elk hunt. I... What else did I do? Uh, acclimated better. Uh, my recovery time was great towards the end. I, f- I felt overall, I felt better uh, physically, you know. Yes, it's grueling. Yes, it's punishing. Yes, it, I mean, there were times in, in that deadfall, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't just day one and day two. It was every single day Yeah. just lifting your feet up over your waist to get over a log and you're doing that for hundreds and hundreds of yards. Oh yeah. That takes a toll.
1: Yep. On, and those, on you. Those logs with all those branches, you know, it's not like this deadfall when a tree is freshly fallen, the the branches are limber, you know, that you can bend them easily. Yeah. These pricks were stiff. I mean, it's like just like spikes, you know. Yeah. I mean, my legs I w- are beat yeah. to
0: shit. I wish everybody here could see Ryan's legs. <laughs> it looks like the mob got a hold of him and just beat his legs with like a, <laughs> a bat or something. There's bruises from his knees to his ankles on both sides. I got scabs all over. I look like a meth addict. <laughs> I got scabs from my knees all the way down. Right. we getting poked, you know, with, the, with these sticks. So, you know. The calorie intake—it's almost impossible to keep up. The water intake—I felt, I felt really good with my water intake every day, uh, minus day one and day two. I came back to the cabin with extra water, right, and still peeing. Yeah, and still, yeah. and still peeing. Now there were a couple times where my pee turned yellow. I started getting headaches, um, but it was one of those things where it just took me. You know, slam a bottle of water and then make sure, I, you know, when I get back to the cabin, you know, drink as much water as possible. The next morning, I'm hydrated again. And uh, um, so from a water standpoint, I think because I, I took two liters in with me every day, two and three bottles of water right. in, in my pack. And I felt, you know, I felt pretty good. There were a couple days where, um, man, what day was it? It was the end of day three. Three, I think, was it the end of day three where you're basically, you, you basically had to motivate me to walk uphill. And you're like, <laughs> Dan, we're almost to the cabin, man. We're almost Come to on. the cabin. You can do this, man. And I'm just like, I was exhausted. I was yeah. toast. And um, I went out every single hunt, and then you went out on one evening hunt, and I stayed back on, on an evening hunt. And I just, I think my, I, my legs needed rest. Uh, you know, obviously I didn't miss out on much. Right. So from a, from a body standpoint, uh, you know, and calorie intake, that you know, I wanted to get that on the table so everybody knew kind of what we went through, how many calories re- we burnt, you know, how steep we were climbing. And for me, you know, I've had two ACL replacement surgeries over the years, one in each knee. And going up is hard work. Right. Right. Your lungs are blasting, your you know, your ham your hammies and your ass cheeks are are working (laughs) O T and but for me, going downhill was a son of a bitch.
1: Yeah, you said that placed a lot of strain on on your knee and it does on that ligament. Definitely
0: does. Yep. And if your if my boots got wet, right, as I as I'm walking, and my boots get got wet, it kind of stretched them out a little bit. So I would have to you know, I stop and tie my shoes and retie my shoes get them tight again but when you're going downhill on that incline your your feet slide forward you know they're not you know you may not they're not supposed to but when you're wet and you're doing this for miles and miles and miles oh, and it's such a steep incline yeah. too it's hard not to get any slippage yeah you're walking on so so even though you should be
1: sidestepping it's hard
0: yeah exactly it, well it's you know yeah you should be but over deadfall <laughs> it's like you're just trying to get by any means possible yeah you know what i mean
1: and you know what and i feel like we're really overemphasizing. emphasizing listeners are probably going what the hell they're not even talking about hunting they're yeah. just talking about how hard this was or whatever but i think that it's good for people to know how taxing this hunt actually is i mean right. this is not your typical whitetail hunting where you might get an elevation change of two or three hundred feet from you know, from one cut to the top of a of a uh, yeah. a bench or something.
0: Yeah. Yep. This is.
1: <laughs> it's a reality check, is what right. it is. I mean,
0: you know, we're not talking about hunting, but this is part of the hunt. Right. right? We just didn't sit. We just didn't sit at camp and uh, bugle in bulls. Right. I mean, that's not what it was. You know, after day two, we didn't even hear another bugle mm-hmm. for the entire trip. Nope. Okay. So we were chasing ghosts. What's that mean? walking around and setting up and calling and setting up and calling and walking and setting up and calling and walking going up and then going down and then going up and go and repeating repeating and so yes it it is you know it is part of the hunt and man uh it got tough there after a while
1: yeah to stay in it mentally yeah for that yeah
0: especially after day one and day two seemed to be really good right Mm -hmm. i mean Day two kind of faded off just a little bit, and he had had some bugles, but we didn't hear a bugle. Day three, day four, I think day five we we may have heard a bugle, but um, man, was it day two? Was it day two we heard? Day two we heard the bugle, but then day three uh, we had an encounter. Uh, Was it day three? I
1: think it was day three. I think it was day two. Day two because we hunted. We hunted Sunday, and then
0: it was Monday that we... Went way back there up again? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, but did we talk about that? Yeah, we talked about the encounter with the big one, right? Yeah. yeah. That's oh. when
1: we were sitting around the fire.
0: Yep, yep. Okay, so you guys already know about the encounter with the uh, the really big bull. And then, I mean, there's not really too much else to talk about, right? No, uh, just the views. The I views. Mean. Whew. That... That was worth the the price alone yeah right i mean I'll, I'll put it to you this way every time we fill up for gas it's 50 bucks um i don't know how many so we're gonna probably walk away with this trip spending about 300 dollars in gas yeah okay uh elk divided by two people uh you got your elk tag uh that was seven hundred seven hundred and twenty 720 bucks for a non-resident
1: what was it? I thought it was six sixty one or something like that or six, maybe six seventy one? Six yeah, something like that. Let's
0: just say seven hundred bucks. Yeah. Call it good. Okay, seven hundred bucks for a tag and then food and all that crap, you're you know, now you're looking at uh you're looking into this fifteen hundred you know, fifteen hundred dollar mark and you know, it's it's just like a vacation, dude. Yeah. But it's, it's a punishing vacation <laughs> you know That's for sure you're burning way more calories than you would by going and sitting on a beach but uh, like you said just the experience alone this is something that I'm going to talk about and remember every single day for the rest of my life oh yeah just wake you know watching the Sun come up over top of the mountains and I think one of my favorite views was uh, day four Five, where we went and pulled his trail cameras that were up there. Yep. And we got to we ate lunch at eleven three. Holy cow, man!
1: Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, man, you could just see forever. Yeah,
0: see forever. Yeah. Sun's out. It's gorgeous. Which really, you know, when the sun's out, uh, <laughs> the elk are not out. But um, but just an absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I, I like I said, I wish everybody could experience what we experienced yeah some t- some in their life
1: well the other part of it too is you know we had adam parr yeah with us and that guy i mean some, has some patience oh he, he is one of the most patient millennials i know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh,
1: yeah uh no he's a great guy and uh i mean he he would basically bugle and call for us the entire time. Yeah.
0: He bas- he he was for the most part, he was kind of like our guide. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he knows he knows this area that we were hunting, I mean, literally like the back of his hand. Right. You know, he was taking us through, he knows all the game trails, which is what you really have to stick to whenever you're trying to get through all the deadfall. Yep. And even then, you're still going to run into deadfall that's, you know, 2 and 3 logs high. Yep. Um and that's the other thing too is whenever your legs are that fatigued man it's easy to roll an ankle yep get your foot stuck and you know you're already at an angle it's easy to snap your tibia or something like that i mean it's a long ways down.
0: Yep. Or losing your balance while your foot is between two logs, and you just kind of yeah. blow your knee out, or your yeah, your your oh. shin bone goes out the front of your leg. I,
1: I could feel that. You know, I have a meniscus tear in my right knee, and uh, there was a couple times where it got a little strained. Yeah. I could I could feel it. You know.
0: And not just the deadfall, but then you get to the crick most days, and you're walking straight up it, and you got to find the path of least resistance, which. Is not. I mean, it's not so, always a straight line. Yeah, exactly. So you're going back and forth on this loose rock, and we, you know, we talked about that already. But uh, huge shout out to my buddy Adam Parr. Uh, he ha- He's the guy uh, who has the Transition Wild podcast on the Sportsman's Nation uh, network. So if you haven't already, check out his podcast. But uh, yeah, great guy, great guide. Uh, definitely put us uh, where we need to be. You know. If the elk aren't responding, the elk aren't responding. There's nothing that he can do about that. But uh, man, he 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 did everything for us. Yeah. Basically, I mean, he put us in the right positions. There was, we went out by ourselves uh, one evening, uh, did what we thought we could do. But uh, yeah, uh, huge shout out to him. You know, it's it's always good to have a contact that lives out there.
1: Oh yeah. And then not only not only that, but he also provided us with a professional. <laughs> camera guy <laughs> oh
0: charlie yep it's like a little spider monkey jumping around the wood jumping around the uh woods taking pictures yeah there's going to be some awesome oh, yeah photographs coming up yeah make sure you check out uh, uh the nine figure chronicles instagram page uh transition wild instagram page uh and then uh i'll once the time comes i'll uh i'll inform everybody about charlie's uh Uh, facebook or instagram page where you guys can find some uh, all some of the pictures that this dude took they're just spectacular yeah he's got an eye for it yep shout out charlie Uh, (laughs) uh, and then you already know man you already know (laughs) so um you know so there's not really too much to talk else to talk about on this hunt about the hunt because uh, i mean we didn't have any more encounters after day one and two right right so um we we did the best that we thought we could and uh bounced around a lot nothing happened uh success rate in that unit for archery is 11 percent. so that right there not easy
1: right yeah and you know um looking back on things with uh the shot that i put on my bowl you know we had We kind of touched on this a couple days ago. Man, this road is really loud. Sorry. Let me try to get back over into another lane here without flipping this vehicle. (laughs) Um, There we go. There we are. Yeah. um, You know, I told you, I said, I don't use the word never. Right. And always that often. But I think it's safe to say that I'm never going to use a mechanical broadhead again and there's a lot of people out there probably going man yeah you're an idiot you went elk hunting with a mechanical broadhead and probably a subpar um overall weight of an arrow and spine stiffness um just a lot of things on that end that i could have done to probably optimize the shot that i had right
0: um and let's let's just talk about that so everybody knows uh maybe why we, we are now preferring, like for me I, I prefer, a, I went into this hunt with a fixed blade setup and you know just under 500 grains of, for an arrow weight first off, you're pretty much shooting at a you know, you, you catch an elk shoulder, it's basically like a 2x4 you know, you're, you're yep. trying to shoot through something that hard and that stiff to get to the lung, right? And what a mechanical broadhead is going to do when it hits that is the broadhead stops. The arrow keeps moving for the broadhead to uh, to deploy, and then the momentum pushes it, tries to push it through.
1: Yeah. Right. So you lose a lot of energy. Yep,
0: yeah, you lose a lot of energy when that when that uh, broadhead's trying to open. Fixed blade, there's no movement, and that energy just gets delivered through. Mm-hmm. Now. Maybe a fixed blade would have helped you in that scenario. Maybe it wouldn't have. Right. Right. I mean, you hit shoulder straight up. Right. And. But if I felt like if I would have blown through that
1: and got to the other side, there would have been some sort of chance. Yeah. Yeah. At, at taking that animal down, and also, I mean, just only starting my pins at 30 yards. You know, it had been. It would probably been a little more optimal if I had a 20 yard. Yeah, started at 20.
0: Yep. And that's yeah, that's one thing that and, uh, you uh, know, we didn't realize. You know, you, you think, "Hey, I'm going to go out west and I'm going to shoot, I'm going to need to be set up for 70 yards." 70 yards. In this timber, there's no way. There's <laughs> no luck. way you're shooting 40 yards. No. Unless no. you were set, set up on a meadow.
1: Yeah, this stuff is thick, it's nasty.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you shot your bull under under twenty,
1: yeah, somewhere around twenty.
0: Yeah. Yep. So he had. And he
1: could have dropped some too. Yeah. So that, in combination with where my pin was, overall poor performance of arrow and broadhead. A little bit of bull fever, maybe. A little bit of bull fever. I mean, I mean it's a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah. Yep. So you're you're basically saying, uh, as far as maybe something that you're going to do different next time. Uh, you know what are what are you thinking right now? Obviously, we have a, you have a whole year, and I know you. You're gonna overanalyze and, <laughs> and you know break down and try to build the perfect arrow for next year. But talk to me about what's going through your head right now for this next arrow setup.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm basically gonna try to, to uh, build an arrow with a better FOC. Yeah. And um, and go with a a fixed blade setup. I mean that's, I'm gonna have one of my buddies uh, build build me a set here, likely before the whitetail season. I mean I know my the setup that I have will kill a buck. Yeah. I've done it with it, but um, man, Mm -hmm. I just really does not help my confidence much. Yeah. Going into the whitetail season, knowing that you know that I didn't even get very good penetration at all with my setup. Yeah. And I know an elk and a, and a whitetail are two completely different animals, but, man, whitetails are tough, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've shot, I've had an experience similar, you know, I, I had a mechanical broadhead, uh, probably lose some <laughs> lose some momentum on a 210-inch deer. Yep. Right? So it hit a bone, and, it, you know, a, a fixed blade may have gotten through that, uh, maybe a little deeper. Uh, so that's kind of my whole why I now shoot fixed blade broadheads yeah right um it's just kind of a what if like great you know these these big you know big wide open uh i don't know i I feel like if you're going to take a bad shot with a fixed blade and a bad shot with a uh mechanical a bad shot with a fixed blade is going to perform better
1: yeah and you know i'll admit i i stuck with a mechanical over time because I was lazy as far as tuning my arrows. Yeah. You know, not really tuning the bow. I mean, once a bow is set up, there's there's not a whole lot you're going to do really to optimize that. I mean, like left and right, yeah. Um, but you're still your your arrow is what is is taking the energy from the bow and getting it downstream. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's
0: laziness on my part. Yeah. All right. So. Let's talk about some of the gear that um, – any, anything else that you might change uh, as far as gear is concerned. I mean, we beat the shit out of our equipment. Oh, yeah. Everything from our hats to the bottom of our boots and everything in between. Yep. So, any other changes?
1: Um, I'm going to go with a taller boot. I'm going to go with a 10-inch. Yep. Um, I'll probably go with the Crispy Guide. Uh, I have the Nevada right now, and um, it's just – I think it's too short. Yeah. for me anyways right. i could have used a little bit more ankle support um i've told you a couple times i like the full grain leather or all leather boot yeah. rather than any synthetic in it i feel like they don't stretch as much um but that's so that's probably the the one thing i'd change there the other thing we talked about
0: uh was the socks yeah we had this little conversation i said me and ryan uh right before we fall, fell asleep uh on one of the last days I asked him, "What are the, what what do you think is the most important uh, piece of gear you have, and what is the second most important uh, piece of gear you have?" And number one was boots, and number two was a sock. The sock. So yep. that tells you right there how important foot care is on these hunts.
1: Oh God, yeah. Well, you're, it's game over if you get blisters, you know, any sort of rub marks, yep.
0: hammer toe. Yep, absolutely. And Knock on wood, man. I walked away with no blisters. I walked away with no hot spots or no cramping. Yep. Um, you know, when my when my boot got wet, I had to t- tighten it up a couple times. But other than that, man, my boots performed very well, and we beat the shit out of them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Um, you know, I told you, I I wore my my crispies they were literally they were brand new i wore them around the hospital with booties on for about 5 hours one day yeah. and then i took them up to the mountains yeah i didn't wear these things out on the trail nothing i mean they were they were brand new yeah and i don't have any blisters i have no hot spots no rubs no nothing right. like that yep so i think i think that's a a testament right there yeah so um how much did you pay for your boots um whether four something, gotcha.
0: Okay, four, four twenty, four ten. I can't remember. Gotcha. I paid three twenty for mine. So uh, expensive, uh, as far as the boot market is concerned. Yeah. But my my uh, my other boots that I have, I don't think they would have performed. Uh, I mean, I think they're too bulky. They're more of like a uh, a flatland. Which uh, ones are those? The pronghorns. The Daniel oh, pronghorns. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's too light of a boot for this. Yeah, way too too much flex. Too too, yeah, and too heavy. Yeah, it's way. It's it's a taller uh, taller in the ankle, but it's like I don't think that that heel would have survived or that sole would have survived. So, uh, so you liked you liked your your oh you're going with a taller boot. Any other gear changes? Um, maybe a pack change. A pack change
1: after. seen
0: charlie's pack <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta see you, if you guys don't know about ryan he's like i, I gotta have that i gotta have that if you find something better than what he's got yeah so it's a curse yeah so what what don't you like about your current pack that you use and tell everybody what kind of pack it was
1: uh, so it was a mystery ranch um, pentler okay and uh size of the pack is good and i mean you know, Mr. Ranch makes a ton of different packs. This is just the one that I chose. It, I did get it on sale, so that was part of it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a lot of small compartments though, for like those rapid access kind of items or uh, items. Yeah. It has the one top, and then that's pretty much it. And in, on the insides, it basically splays open. You know, like it's a Y, has one of those big Y zips on it. Right. Um, but it just it kind of rode. A little funky on my on my back i think i told you my traps were they were shot you know and i know there's things you can do to make those to make adjustments you know you you should be wearing a pack so that it's riding on your hip and so that your hips are taking the brunt of the weight but even in in adjusting it i i couldn't get it to ride quite like that it would sit too far off of my back and you know maybe i could have messed with the actual placement of the pack some i could have uh, you know like basically broken the pack apart which is how you adjust the mystery ranches there's like a a uh, plastic like a, a splitter for lack of a better term that you take and you break the velcro and then you run the pack up and down the the frame yep. to better place the yoke over um, the spine of your uh scapula on your back yep so um you know i probably could have mess with that some but i still don't feel like it had it wasn't quite as much support in the back that i wanted especially yeah. whenever i put on um charlie's pack
0: yeah yeah
1: that uh what brand is it kafaru kafaru yeah. yeah so
0: <laughs> dude i'm telling you i love my pack yeah you you had a lot of uh a lot of praise for that pack. Oh man, not you know. So an out- outdoorsman. I, outdoorsman, yeah. And I trained with it, right? So mm-hmm. I had there's there's the bracket I can uh, there's a set of Allen wrench uh, or Allen screws that hold it to the pack that you put your weight plates on and train with. But then you have um, you take that off and it's just like this these little clip systems that you put through and pull. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a there's an opening. You turn the the clip sideways stick it in and then you open it up and then that's what holds everything into place so i didn't have a full pack right i i I basically had what they call their muley system and it's a it's a small pack that basically was big enough for um, two additional layers uh, my insulation layer and my shell jacket uh, my extra Two, three bottles of water there's two compartments on each side for uh, where i put model uh, my bottles of water and then a bottle of water inside with my like cliff bars and my apple and uh you know like some extra stuff like uh my headlamp and uh and then there was a little uh, another extra bladder uh compartment that i didn't use and that's where i kept my rain jacket in so we had a my pack my pack was money yeah um as far as packs are concerned, so uh, now, any what else? Because I know there's some other things that you we, that we talked about changing.
1: Um, as far as clothing, yeah, goes. You know, um, I really like the system that I had. Yeah. I mean, ha- how many times did we put a layer on, take a layer
0: off, oh put a God. layer on, put another layer on, take them off? Especially the days when it it rains oh, and then it stops, man, and then it rains and then it gets. It gets sunny, then, it, like, five minutes later, And that's the mountains for you, right? Right. So. Um, and you're like, damn it, I just put this on. Right, right. Uh, and and then, you know, you stop to call and you get cold. Mm-hmm. Right? So you got to put your insulation layer on. And then if it gets even colder than that, then you got to put your shell on top of that. Right? So, I mean, I, I think next time for me i might go with a heavier duty insulation uh so that way i don't have to maybe wear a shell on top of it all the time i i will still bring my shell um but what shell didn't you have yet okay so i had um i had the mountain pants i had the mountain the mountain jacket uh, and then i had the calvin and these this is all sitka and then i had the calvin um Vest. Calvin Light vest as my yeah. insulation. Now they have a Calvin Lite, a Calvin jacket that I think next time I will probably go with a full jacket instead mm-hmm. of the vest. But um, uh, then I had a merino base layer from Kuyu. That was my that was my uh, top base layer, and then I had another little shirt from a company called uh, Element Camo, but and it's just basically a uh, uh, a synthetic. I don't even know. Like Not, a poly blend. Yeah, poly blend. Real light, very comfortable, dries very fast. But I don't even know if that company's gonna be in business anymore. I went to their website and it's just you know <laughs> everything's like sixty percent off, sixty percent off. So barely operational. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know about what's going on yeah. with that company. But um, wool is a big deal though, right? Oh, wool, man, my socks. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: okay. the, the alpaca. The,
0: the yeah, Al- Altera. Mm-hmm. Altera socks. Altera, yep. <laughs> that. If I if I'm gonna shout out one <laughs> one brand or one company to go take a look at, it's socks from Altera. Yeah. They, I mean, we walked through some wet, nasty shit, and every day my feet were dry when yep. I took them out of the boot, and they were in there for sometimes ten hours, twelve hours. Yeah. Right. And you take you know you take your 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 boots wet, not necessarily on the inside, it's damp, but you take your you know, you take your boot off and your sock is dry. Yeah, and it's comfortable. Exactly. And your feet stay warm. Yep. So it's breathable, and so it, go check out these Altera uh, socks, and they're made with alpaca uh, fur. Yep. Or yeah, not, it's a blend yeah, of not al- sheep wool.
1: Yeah and uh man, that guy is fanatical about socks too,
0: yeah, he's got a combination yeah <laughs> yeah
1: he he is fanatical, man,
0: he loves uh, socks, he loves socks, yeah, he's a sock guy <laughs> <laughs> sock man, yeah, so uh shout out, shout out to my socks, yep for uh, keeping my feet dry, keeping my feet comfortable and not sweaty um, and then what else uh, heather's choice, yeah, heather's choice uh. Dude, her some of her meals are freaking delicious. Oh. Like the bison chili. Oh man, that that was awesome. The chowder. Yep. Um, the packaroons. Yeah. Oh okay. man. It's basically like <laughs> uh, a dense cookie that is just packed with a ton of calories. Yeah. You know, for when you're 190. With,
1: for 100 one a minute, it's no bigger than probably a silver dollar. Yeah, I was gonna say about a silver dollar, uh, but it's about. Half inch thick,
0: yeah, three three quarters inch three, thick, yep, and uh, just and
1: they're flavorful.
0: Oh my god, what was what the lemon lavender, the lemon lavender <laughs> uh, macaroon,
1: Woo! man, dude, the blueberry almond, awesome, sweet I, coconut, I, awesome,
0: Yeah, the black espresso, pack-a-roon. oh yeah, Ike, I, or uh, chocolate espresso, whatever that is, I could definitely just munch on those all day long.
1: Yeah, and after you ate it, you weren't like, oh man, I've got a brick in my stomach, right, you know. Right. Even if you ate both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's some good stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay, so th- that from the food standpoint, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of anything, anything that I would change other than maybe my insulation layer. I
1: it- might have a, a couple more of the shirts that I had. Like I had the ascent shirt which was great for me yeah. you know you were talking about layering up i was pretty good i with i basically had a merino um undershirt on like a smart wool or icebreakers or something like that yeah and then i wore a um for my base layer in my pants was either like a patagonia type they're real light one i can't remember the name of it yeah. um but it, it's like a like a poly type fiber pant or the icebreakers i was using uh what used to be their 200 um blend or their 200 weight pant right um and i've been wearing that stuff for a long time and i you know i told you i'm like oh man i'm soaked and then i get get done with that like we and then maybe like 30 40 minutes later and i'm dry right
0: i didn't wear i didn't wear a base layer for my pants i just wore my my mountain pants
1: Uh, i did just because i don't like the feeling of those damp pants on my legs you know kind of really yeah
0: i guess i'm just more of a man than you
1: well i don't know (laughs) i don't know every time i looked behind me it it
0: didn't look like you were more of a man (laughs) but do we want to talk about that uh hey i made it to the top dude just not as fast yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, but dude those mountain pants did you have the mountain pants
1: no i had the um i well i had I'm gonna call it the equivalent of a mountain pant. Yeah. Um, Nisika probably wouldn't wouldn't like that because I know everything is geared, you know, systematically yeah, to this specific, or what. specifically. Yeah. But it is it's basically the mountain pant without the knee knee in it. It's the whitetail version. Gotcha. I just for utility that's that's the pattern that I chose. Right. You know, those pictures will probably never never make it to any. Uh, sick uh, Instagram or Facebook or anything nah, because man. I was
0: mixing patterns you know that's a big no no oh dude do not mix patterns yeah. and take your uh, picture yeah you're totally screwed that's not how you become a sicker bro sicker <laughs> bro <laughs> hashtag sicka bro that's copyrighted by yeah. the way yeah don't use that Yep. Uh, but, <laughs> but the gear like I you know we talked about beating the shit out of our boots our pants Dude, I think Aww. I only have one small little hole uh, from all that deadfall. Yep,
1: me too. Dude, those yeah, pants they,
0: took a beating.
1: They did. I was impressed. Yeah. Because usually.
0: And I wore them every uh, single day. Right. Every day I wore the same pants.
1: Yep. I had a pair of uh, a pair of pants from, uh, damn, who was, that? who was that one company that uh, we got some Predator stuff from? Early Red I Wolf 1s. Huh? no, um the other one. That Predator. Predator. Predator camo? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm not like I'm not trying to beat up on them or anything, but I wore pants that would have been like similar to the equivalent and just in the whitetail woods, I tore the shit out of them. Yeah. Ca- the crotch was blown out of them. You know, the Sika ones have a nice gusseted crotch. Yeah. Um and I'm just I'm just being real you know like i said yeah. comparing the two yeah um yeah we beat the shit out of those pants and no problems right
0: An- another thing I, w- I would like to say we both have prime bows and prime is a partner in this podcast f- i know full disclosure <laughs> and on some of these inclines i was using my bow as a, <laughs> as a second trekking pole right right yeah just getting cams all in the dirt and and just you know using it hard yeah right and i mean it went everywhere we went oh yeah and like through sticks and and stuff get back to camp you know every night we shot a couple arrows to make sure everything was on no issues yep beat the shit out of those bows and they they performed perfectly yeah they're a machine yeah built very well Uh, and they shoot very well so go check those guys out anyway yep that's a that's me whoring out right Yeah, well, whatever but it was true right yeah so.
1: um, i mean hey i i told you i shot a lot of bows at ata and that's that's the one that i came yeah. away with that was you yeah exactly
0: yep so all right uh, i'm trying to think if there's anything else so i talked about my socks my boots performed well i also had crispies um sitka layering system performed very well you guys wore baseball caps. Yeah. And I wore a merino wool stocking cap. Yep. Now, I don't know. I One day I wore a baseball cap, and I felt my head <laughs> got really hot. And I, honestly, like, I felt when I was wearing a baseball cap, I couldn't control my temperature as I could with that stocking cap on. Yeah. So it's very light, very thin, but it's a merino uh, stocking cap. And I felt that I just throw it over my ears when I got cold, take it up off my ears if I got hot. And I, I felt that that allowed me to regulate my heat way more when I was going up and down or getting stopping and getting cold than a baseball cap.
1: Yeah. See, for me, the heat regulation came from, like, basically my arms and my armpits. I had that Ascent shirt and it's real thin i mean like this stuff's like super thin and then i had a vest i had the kelvin light vest and for me i could regulate very well with that that one morning that we we made that big first ascent um later on we went to the other side of the of the mountain range um i mean like i damn near freaked out because i had that rain jacket on a sick uh I don't know if it's a storm front or whatever it is, yeah. but man, I could not get the thing off quick enough. I burning up. Oh, it's burning down, man! Just yeah. it was awful.
0: I, t- I tell you what's cool though is you were happy with you, and you know this is where uh, you know we're talking a lot about gear. You spent how much for that rain jacket?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's like a three or four hundred dollar rain jacket.
0: Right. I spent. 35 bucks on my rain jacket and felt it performed extremely well yep Uh, yeah i never heard you bitch about being wet no and i wasn't uh i i wore that jacket uh, every time it rained and it kept me dry every time it rained so it's crazy how you know there's all this you know like your opinion versus my opinion and what works and what may not work Right. right and dude i spent I spent a tenth, a tenth, and I felt it performed very well. Right, you know, it was it insulated and keep me warm. No, it was basically just a, a rain shell. Right, right, that I threw over over top of it, um, and it was from probably made in China, whatever. <laughs> it was not breathable, but it did the job. Right, you know, it was better than the frog talk system that I used the <laughs> last the last time, uh, which ended up which resulted in me having to wear trash bags
1: (laughs) 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 at my last Uh, idaho trip so um all right so that's what i like too is like you know i mean we do have varying opinions on some things yeah you know yep um so it's good for people to to know that yeah we don't just blanketly endorse using one kind of system or you know whatever it is absolutely you know and and to your point, I I probably would have actually switched up and gone with something like the Nimbus, something that was a little bit lighter, yeah, um, a little more packable. Because um, that, that jacket that and those pants are loud. Yeah. They're real loud. Yep. Oh, that was the other thing about my pack. It squeaked the entire time. Really? I don't know if you could hear it or not, but up near the, the shoulders, no matter how I rearranged it, it was like... The strap material against the shoulder pad would creak and squeak. Yeah, yeah, that pissed
0: me off. No, I couldn't I couldn't hear anything over my breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm trying to think if there's any other gear that you know next next year I I even though I didn't get a shot off at anything I I think I'm going to go with a heavier arrow. Uh, I'll probably change to four fletch, uh, four fletchings this year. I'm shooting. I shot three. Uh, Just, I like to play around with my arrow setup. Yeah. Um, We talked about that, like all the essentials. Talked about all that stuff. Um, You know, my sleeping bag worked great. I was hot in it most of the time. Uh, Yeah. Because we didn't have a fire going in our
1: little bungalow. Yeah. No, we didn't. Um, And it was nice too. Yeah. Because I think I had a 15 degree. Um, bag and i don't what was yours i think the same yeah
0: zero to zero to 15 yeah poof yep so and it got it got down to the
1: 39 degrees it was one morning
0: that's what adam
1: said i didn't i didn't fact check that or anything but right
0: right so all my all my equipment gear and clothing i think for the most part worked very well i mean my everything from the clothes that i wore to my water to my pack to my release to yeah. you know my bow you know my my uh, uh, water I valve
1: leaked, leaked on my i think it's a platypus
0: platypus yeah
1: yeah that's the a one water, thing water bladder yeah so i'm like why is my damn
0: shirt wet well the water was just dripping out of it right right all right so you know we've been talking now for 53 minutes um, <laughs> about you know a lot of gear a lot of you know our, our calories and our overall per- body performance. Now, from experience, from day one to day five, I want you, I want Ryan Iberg's opinion on this, like just a high level overall of this entire trip. Um, the most fun I've had on a
1: hunting trip. Yeah. For sure. Um, the best scenery that you could possibly imagine. Yep. Uh, the most demanding yep. acti- physical activity that I've ever done. Yep. I mean, because it was, you know, you had kind of mentioned about a grind. I mean, we've we have uh, grinded out of a, a few whitetail hunts. You know, yeah. I think what was it, we'd say fifteen, sixteen days was the most that we had yep. in a row. In a row. Yep. I, I mean, just this short trip was way more physically demanding than that. You know, and we were carrying in at sometimes seventy pounds worth of gear, camera equipment, yeah, and stands stuff. and all that shit. Yeah, um, I don't we, know. I yeah, forgot. we talked.
0: We talked. We talked a little bit about that. Like, so the you know the the grind is different, right? Right. Yes, mentally, I think they're more similar. Obviously, physically, uh, you know, the this elk hunt was more demanding, but. I think that, like in the rut, you get up and you go out and you either you, you know, whether you're tearing up or set you know tearing up and setting or setting up and tearing down and, and doing that all over again every single day. I think the similarities in mental strength are are they're they're similar, right? right. I, mean, I mean, the grinding, it's all about have trying to have a positive you know, a positive attitude every morning because there were mornings that I wanted to stay in my sleeping bag <laughs> and not go and not go hunting. And there's, there's were days where, you know, Oh my God, it's 30 degree, you know, 29 degrees out in November. I do not want to sit in a tree stand this morning. My bed is so comfortable, but mentally, you know, you need to be out there. Right. Right. And right. When it comes down to, you know, day five of this hunt or day 10 of, <laughs> of your rut hunt and you know, because it, it's not going to happen in your sleeping bag or in your bed, man. Oh,
1: hell no, it won't. No. Oh, it will. It'll happen out there but it, you won't be a part yeah, of it.
0: You won't be a part of it, right? And the conditions as the week went on we, you know, we knew, right, we knew that the likelihood of shooting a bull as the week went on and the weather conditions changed were not good. Right. But we still went out and we still climbed the mountain every single day uh, in hopes that we'd get lucky yeah right and i don't know
1: and you know other people's experience with elk hunting may be different than what we had also because the of you know variances in terrain and elevation yep yep um you know there's i know other people have have elk hunted in just basically aspen groves that were you know they, they weren't very steep um you know you were still at a decent elevation but basically, the elk kind of migrated through
0: the through the area. Yeah, we were we were busting ass to get away from everybody. Yeah, right. We did
1: not see another hunter.
0: Nope, we did not. Which see was
1: that. awesome.
0: Right. Yep. That that was probably and, and the reason we did is because we busted our ass getting back to these spots. Right. Right. So I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna end with this like i said this is something that everybody should try uh if go outside of your comfort zone you know because if if you're thinking about doing some kind of mule deer hunt or elk hunt you know obviously a lot of the people listening to this are probably in the you know east of the mississippi right hunting in states like pennsylvania and michigan uh, you know all the midwestern states even some of the southern states and if you ever get the opportunity to go and try something different like a Western mule deer hunt or a Western antelope hunt or an elk hunt, you don't have to do what we did. You know, you don't, you don't let the physical, uh, the physical struggle that we talked about, like deter you because there's plenty of opportunities out there for way less aggressive terrain. Sure. Right? Um, you still are going to have to put in work you're still going to have to do your digital scouting you're still going to have to do all these you know there's a checklist of things that you need to do uh to complete you know to even you know take step one onto planning that hunt but killing an animal or not killing an animal i feel that the experience alone is worth every dime i spent every minute i spent uh preparing for yeah. for this hunt yeah. and Every minute away I, from your family. Yep, and and I'm and we talked about that. You know, I'm I cannot wait to see my children. Oh man, you no know? kidding! I cannot yeah, my wait my wife. To see my wife, and you know, it was it was hard for my wife to take care of my three crazy ass kids while I was while I was gone, and uh, I think I'm gonna come back. I think for you know, sounding selfish, I think men need this kind of thing. You know, a lot of us are in dad. Oh, no,
1: everybody does. Yeah.
0: To decompress. Yep. Un- unwind and just un- disconnect from everything. Yeah. Recharge your batteries. Yep. I'm going to come back from this hunt. I I, I know I'm going to be a better father. Uh, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be like all these things. Just I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to come back uh, refreshed and better than what I was when I when I left. So. Um, and then just like the camaraderie, like you know, you know me and you being able to spend time with a friend, right? You know, getting to know Adam much better, right? Uh, getting introduced to some of Adam's friends, and just <laughs> basically making more friends, meeting more people, and just yeah. sharing the love of hunting and absolutely the love of nature. Yeah. Period. You know, because because yeah, we all love hunting. But every time I look back or at somebody else, what were they doing? They were looking up at the mountains. That's right. Doing the same. You know, like, you, And if you're out there hunting and you're so focused on hunting, guys aren't doing that. But everybody did it. And it's because of their love for nature. Right. Right? I don't know. I, I, I just am I'm so blown away by everything that went down on this trip. And we kind of ended it with some bitching tacos dude oh man <laughs> that's right you know on, on our way down the mountain we stopped at this small town we had uh we had some uh tacos that were mind-blowing uh and then and some queso and some ke- chips. chips and queso mm. and uh and here we are we're that's right. uh like 70 miles from the nebraska iowa border and uh, we're slowly coming. This trip is slowly coming to an end. That's right. So you, you think uh, this is something you want to do next year?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, are you excited for whitetail season? Oh yeah, I am. Yeah. Are you? How about you? Oh, dude. I think this trip, though, I, I got in a good chunk of like me time and yep. outdoor time. I think I'm gonna actually. I don't know. This is me saying this right now, uh, <laughs> first week of September, and I know that when October 1st comes around, everything will change. Right. But I think I'm gonna hunt less in the early season. Yeah. Just because I've had this this awesome elk experience, I got uh, you know I got some of that out of my system right now. You know I kind of I didn't just jump right into whitetail season. I kind of had this I had this trip. You know, and then there's three weeks where I'm not going to be able to hunt. And I don't know. There's so many fall activities I want to do with my family. Right. And and the benefits I've seen firsthand, the benefits of not hunting early season means when you do go into the whitetail season, uh, it's better hunting. Right. Because you stayed out during that, the first, you know, three weeks of the, of October will i go out and shoot a doe uh, i'm gonna try but <laughs> I, i'm not gonna like dive into any good any decent spots right so yeah man so thumbs up yep thumbs two up. thumbs up two thumbs up i don't know man is there anything else that we need to add
1: i don't think so all right i think i'm done 6 13 in the morning 6 13 in
0: the morning Sun
1: ought to be coming up here soon. Yep. I...
0: About an hour. Right. I can't wait to get, like, get back home, turn my phone on, flip through all the pictures I took, get those pictures from Charlie, you know, look through those pictures Adam sent, and then have these memories for the rest of my life. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you've enjoyed this trilogy. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time to download this, man. I really appreciate not only on this podcast, but all the podcasts. Huge shout out to my buddy Ryan for making the trip with me. Huge shout out to Adam Parr for literally like opening up his doors to let me and ryan come hunt with him that is that's a boss move man and i really really appreciate it i will never forget it and i my goal is to somehow pay you back someday Um, that's the goal so huge shout out to adam Parr. huge shout out to uh my man danny out there in colorado uh thanks for letting us stay in your cabins huge shout out to a new friend charlie uh, and Sam that we met out there. Uh, I'm gonna try to get some pictures from Charlie. He's a really good photographer. Let you guys take a look at those at some point. Uh, so check social media for that. And uh, lastly, man, thanks thanks to the state of Colorado for having places like this. You know, national forests and an elk herd that it is seems to be managed really well so thank you to the state of Colorado I guess and thank you to all the partners of this podcast Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab Prime, Ripcord, Ozonix and last but not least if you're going to be in a tree this weekend doing anything in a tree stand Hunter Safety Systems is reminding you please wear your damn safety harness